creation of a new information operations technical training school. The first command simply must arm our airmen to outthink, outperform, outpartner, outinnovate any potential adversary. Air Force Basic Military Training has an updated curriculum with a new focus on readiness and lethality. The first command, the Air Force starts here. Welcome in to the pod, which, by the way, is episode 26, if you're keeping track like we are. Thanks for the subscribe, stream, or download, however you might be listening in, which hopefully now that we're out there on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts is even more of you. I'm Dan Hawkins from the AETC Public Affairs Office and your host for this professional development podcast dedicated to bringing total force Big A Airmen, insight, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from the recruiting, training, and education world. Now on the pod today, we're going to jump knee-deep into the Special Warfare Operator Enlistment Program, referred to on the inside as SWOE. This initiative really ties directly to Air Education and Training Command's priority of enhancing lethality and readiness while at the same time speaks to advancing force development, strengthening our airmen and units. So lots to unpack here. And for those that may not know, the entire Air Force Special Warfare Spectrum, it's a pretty impressive entity. And for those not familiar with it, they might be a bit surprised to know the the full scope of the mission uh, in Special Warfare, not only how it impacts Uh, just the Air Force, but also the Joint Special Operations community as well. Every day, Special Warfare Airmen deploy around the world to project American military power through global access, rescuing friendly forces through personnel recovery operations, and really destroying the enemy through precision strike capability. And so to give you the bottom line up front about the Special Warfare Operator Enlistment Program, the accessioning into the Air Force and initial training pipelines for Special Warfare Airmen is drastically changing with this new program, and it will be the single path of entry for new airmen to pursue careers in combat control, pararescue, tactical air control party, or special reconnaissance. So this is going to also enhance the Air Force's ability to assign airmen to a Air Force specialty code uh, in an equitable manner across the special warfare community uh, at any one given time, as well as give new recruits the time and the opportunity to find the path of their greatest warrior calling. To go in depth on SWOE, we brought in a couple of heavy hitters. Lieutenant Colonel Joe Lopez, Chief of the Special Warfare Division here at AETC, as well as Lieutenant Colonel Heath Kearns, who is the commander of the 330th Recruiting Squadron that stood up under the Air Force Recruiting Service not too long ago, and that unit specializes in special warfare and combat support recruiting. Colonel Lopez and Colonel Kearns are going to talk about the why behind the SWOE program's implementation, including the Air Force's manning needs and the fact that new recruits are going to be put into a position to make 
more informed decisions prior to vectoring to a certain special warfare specialty. They're also going to talk to a key component of the SWOE, which is the baselining of enlistment standards across those career fields we talked about, combat control, tactical air control party, pararescue, and special reconnaissance, or if you will, the old weather career field in special warfare. And just to give a glimpse into what special warfare flights at BMT are like, they talk about that just for a little bit. And both Colonel Lopez and Colonel Kearns give a really great breakdown on how new recruits are actually vectored into their special warfare specialty uh, at the end of the special warfare preparatory course at JBSA Lackland, which is administered, of course, by the special warfare training wing. So just having these two special operators sit down and hear the passion they have for the special warfare community was awesome. And they really give great insight into the compete for everything mentality and how the SWOE program will help build cohesion and trust among candidates, especially knowing that at the end of the day, selection to a special warfare specialty will be driven heavily by a candidate's performance uh, throughout this accessioning and training pipeline. So let's go. Episode 26 of the Air Force Starts Here goes free fall right now. Colonel Lopez, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. Uh, yep, my name is Joe Lopez, um, Combat Rescue Officer. Uh, I'm the Chief of Special Warfare Division here at AETC, Air Education Training Command. I've been in the Air Force uh, and the Army. Actually, I was an Army guy prior to coming into the Air Force. I've been in uh, service for just over 25 years. And here at uh, the Special Warfare Division, we oversee the uh, strategy and policy of special warfare training and the recruiting uh, across the command. And Colonel Kearns, what about you? How long have you been in the Air Force? I say I've been institutionalized in the military for about 19 years, but only 15 of those count. Uh, the first four, I went to the Air Force Academy, uh, and then have been in Air Force Special Operations ever since. And uh, I'm a Special Tactics Officer, and I am the commander of the 330th Recruiting Squadron, and we focus on bringing in Special Warfare and Combat Support Airmen into the Air Force. So we're going to dive a little bit into the Special Warfare Operator Enlistment Program today, but I kind of wanted to start the conversation uh, kind of diving into that special warfare community as a whole as for the Air Force and how it relates to the, to the joint mission. I think there may be a lot of folks out there who, who don't understand exactly what Air Force Special Warfare does. So in layman's terms, can you guys just talk about the community and, and what it provides uh, to the Air Force and DOD missions? Absolutely. So Air Force uh, Special Warfare is the, the ground combat force that specializes in air-to-ground integration. Um, so the way that we do that is we accomplish the mission through global access, uh, precision strike, and personnel recovery. Um, so the you know, global access, that's our ability to, to get anywhere in the world uh, to project American military uh, power or political will. Um, the uh, precision strike mission is our ability to, to take out our enemies uh, any, anywhere in the world, and that could be um, with uh, small arms uh, kicking in a door with our, our joint brethren, um, or it could be controlling large, uh, large bombs off of our aircraft. 
Um, and then the last is the, the personnel recovery. Um, that's our ability to, to go anywhere in the world and, and bring back uh, our, our allies or American forces. Um, so that could be uh, a lost uh, hiker in, on the mountain in Alaska, or it could be um, a enemy pilot or a pilot that was shot down deep behind enemy lines. Um, we could fight in um, with with our team to, to bring them home and return them with honor. And so recently, and it's not necessarily real recent now, it's been a little bit of time, but you know, there was a name transition, right? So there was this period of time where you were that battlefield airman community and now it's transitioned to special warfare. Can you kind of talk to maybe the why behind that change and what, what that really means moving forward and, and the career fields that are actually in special warfare? Sure. Um, so battlefield airmen transitioned to special warfare, I would say uh, we've been using that nomenclature for about a year and a half, two years. Um, special warfare is a, a more akin to the ground combat operators that we are in today's Air Force. Um, special warfare uh, encompasses multiple uh, Air Force specialty codes, AFSCs, um, of enlisted and officer. Um, that's combat controllers, that's pararescuemen, that's TACP, uh, Tactical Air Control Party, and special reconnaissance. Um, and then the officers of those, uh, of those different um, communities as well. All of those comprise the special warfare uh, ground combat skills inside the Air Force. So this special warfare operator enlistment program is really a huge change or evolution in, in how the special warfare recruiting and training has been done in the past. And you know, anytime you have such a big change, right, the first question that people are going to ask is, why? why? Why do we need to make a change? Seems like what we're doing is working. So kind of what is the, the big picture of the Special Warfare Operator Enlistment Program and the why behind why we need to make these kinds of changes? I'd say so one of the one of the big challenges that uh, that we faced in in recruiting um, for Air Force Special Warfare uh, is just it comes from one of the I think one of the best traits of, of our warriors is the quiet professionalism. Um, so what that meant, you know, before this was officially my job uh, to go and tell people who we are and what we did, I would never tell anyone who I was or what I did. Um, so the end result is that no one knows again who you are, or what you do. Uh, there's lots of lots of books out there by other other branches of you know special operations forces. Um, our our guys and girls uh, tend to not want to do that. We just want to focus on our on our mission and get after it. Um, so we recognize just that there's. Uh, sometimes it's just not even in the conversation. Uh, people did not recognize that uh, that the Air Force had these forces, um, and that's also just because we seamlessly uh, integrate with our other other forces. And so the the major missions um, that have you know broke international news, often you don't realize that there was a special warfare airman at the very center of that, um, fulfilling very key, very important uh, missions that ties all the the ground. Uh, the ground combat with everything, all the resources in the air, and does that you know so well and so you know just uh, seamlessly that um, often we just you know don't even want to be a part of the conversation, um, and and so you know when that comes across you know to to communicating who we are, 
Um, there's just a lot of people didn't even realize it was, is, it was an option. Um, so part of what we were doing is just focusing on, on getting the word out there and, and recognizing with that imperfect knowledge of, of who we are and what we do uh, that, that candidates would come to us maybe only having just one little snippet of information about, about what we do. And, and so sometimes those, you know, uh, those young airmen hopefuls would say, hey, I saw this really cool YouTube video. I, I want to I do this. And, and so part of our process has been educating people on, on the full spectrum of what we do and, and all the options that are out there for them. Uh, and so we set out about trying to baseline some of those requirements so that it, every different um, job didn't have its own criteria that, that was different and good for one but not the other when really um, the warrior is largely the same and, and the more we could focus on bringing them into that one, uh, that one door, um, the better that we could flow them through to help them find their, their combat calling. I'll kind of jump on that as well. So I think it's a great moment in time that we're at here. Um, Heath and his team has done a phenomenal job. Up until this point, it's been, um, it, it's trying to recruit to multiple disciplines. You could call them tribes of different AFSCs. So rather trying to recruit to multiple disciplines that have very similar um, aspects and capabilities. And quite honestly, you're recruiting to a very similar type person now you're recruiting to one umbrella term, um, special warfare, and then we'll further talk about, I'm sure in this venue, how we start to spread those, those candidates into those AFSCs that we had talked about. So we, we also just recognize that uh, part, of, part of the initiative to, to, to work on our, our special warfare recruiting, um, we've, been, we've brought a lot of the, the special warfare uh, personnel into the recruiting uh, recruiting mission. Um, in the past, they were, they were pretty pretty well separated. Um, recruiters did their job, and operators, you know, did their job, and, and you know they didn't really meet together. Um, so we just recognize, hey, we are not able to bring enough of the right uh, the right quantity of folks into this uh, into these career fields. So we need to figure out a way to, to better work together. Um, so opening those opportunities. Um, to bring in more of that exposure, to, to communicate, um, to tell, help tell our stories uh, has been really important uh, to what we're working on. Um, and so we just recognize that, like in the past, the, the baseline, uh, you know, intelligence tests and the personality profiles, um, that those were the best attempt that we had to try and figure out, okay, what's, are you the type of person that's going to succeed in this grueling training? Um, and, and so we recognize that uh, that a lot of that there are some of the hidden qualities that are that are difficult to quantify. Um, so we bring bring people in now and give them you know hey just those those initial baselines. Hey, do you have a chance? Do you have a shot? Um, and then we start them in our our recruiting process that actually brings in retired special warfare operators that act as coaches and mentors. And so along with the recruiting process our developers is what we call them, help train them up, help prepare them to face the crucible that they're gonna go through. And so as that is, a, we're recognizing that's a long process to help them find what their calling is going to be. Um, we didn't wanna pigeonhole them too early to say, okay, you look like you know, a PJ to me, um, so then think only that direction. Instead, we just said, hey, you wanna do something tough and amazing in the Air Force? come talk to us and we'll help you figure that out over time um, as we look at a whole scale of things beyond just 
what that standardized test is. And so this is the, the, the special warfare operator enlistment process is allowing us to that for that to be a conversation and that to be a process that doesn't just end the day that you get on the bus to go off to basic training. It actually continues through where we have training and we have um, special warfare personnel all along the process that can help lead you to that to that calling so that we can see how you work when in crucible like challenges that you're going to experience as you go through this uh, pipeline. If, if I could touch on that real quick, that was uh, one thing I was going to mention. Um, I think that the chain of custody, if you will, from pre-accession, so you've got this developer that's working with this, uh, with this individual, getting them mentally, physically prepared, then they ship to basic training. Basic training is then dedicated to only special warfare folks in the same flight, which is kind of nice because now it's like a cohort. It's all one team, which is really something that we pride ourselves and it's very important and, and deeply nested of small teams. And so then you graduate from your BMT and then you go to your special warfare prep. And then it evolves into um, a course of initial entry, be it the assessment selection or a, another like course specific for TACP. And then that evolution just continues. So the whole process to the day that you are, are um, where you earn your beret and you're given that actual AFSC and then you go into the ranks of being an operator, um, it's more of a coach-mentor process throughout the entire thing, but you're going to earn it along that way as well. Yeah, and I think, it, I think internally, right, that conversation would be, I think there's some valuable points here too. Like, I think the Air Force's requirements from the special warfare community, maybe under the old system, weren't necessarily always being met in the most efficient ways. Um, can you kind of talk to that and part of that thought process in developing the SWO program? So I, I would say when, when we had individual, uh, individual quotas for each job, uh, that would limit us somewhat to, to, to what our recruiters could communicate. And, and like I said before, with that imperfect knowledge, some jobs just make are easier to communicate to mom, you know, or, you know, there, there's a lot of folks that, uh, I mean, for, for the pararescue, that's, it's one of our most, uh, most popular, uh, because that's a, that's a very easy, there, there's a, um, uh, medical test, emergency medical technician, that's a job that's well known out in the, in the civilian populace. Um, saving lives is, is an easy thing to understand. Um, but recognizing that there's a lot that goes into the pararescue mission, um, much more, you know, beyond that. So just helping, uh, instead of, you know, requiring us to only find um, the, you know, so in, on any given shipment, in, on any given uh, time that they will go off to basic training, we have a certain number of slots. Uh, and so if we only break them up based on what their initial interest on that job is, that we may not always be getting the most qualified individuals. So what we were able to do by opening up the pool, instead of having you know, four you know, bend in each category, we can give the, the Air Force the best, highest qualified, most physically prepared, most mentally ready, large you know, co cohort that then they can, they can divvy out as, as they you know, go through the process of understanding more what they're, what they're really interested in and what they're going through. And so uh, to that tail end of what Keith was referring to, um, as they're, you know, assigned to that specific AFSC, 
that's where we get into the vectoring model that you know is part of this SWOE. And, uh, and it's based off of um, individual's performance, an individual's preference, and then absolutely uh, needs of the Air Force. So those factors all culminate where and how that vector will go to one of those AFSCs. So what, what does that recruitment process, Heath, look like? What, I, I've seen the words, you know, scout, recruit, develop. So can you kind of layman's terms, what, what does that look like if a 17, 18-year-old young man or woman rolls into the recruiting office and is interested in a career in special warfare? How do they get that process started? So the, 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 the 330th, which is our, our recruiting squadron that focuses just in on the, the special warfare and combat support, is a, is a smaller squadron. And it's, it's, we have the, the luxury and the challenge of focusing only on those jobs. So we can be specialized, you know, specialize in that, focus on that. We're able to provide our recruiters that are coming from all walks of life in the Air Force, give them that uh, in-depth immersion experience. So when they're communicating with the the recruits that are coming in, they can speak from from some experience. Say, hey, I've been through uh, portions of this process. Um, I understand, you know, what that first step is going to look like for you. Um, and, and help allow them, you know, to communicate what those are going to go into. So it, it starts with our, our specialized recruiters that have immersed themselves and focused, you know, exclusively on these missions so they can be experts to help, you know, help that uh, candidate figure their way through, you know, what their, what their calling is going to be. Um, and, and then it also, you know, so that's the recruit side of it. The, the develop aspect is, is recognizing that um, simply verifying that they're minimally qualified and then shooting them off, you know, to that next available uh, basic training day. Uh, we say I was kind of just the school of hard knocks where um, in the past we were really good at finding the toughest, you know, one out of a hundred, but if you needed 50, then that model doesn't work. Um, so we're always very good at finding and, and creating and help, you know, forging the, the toughest men and women required but we needed to find a better way to, to catch people on the cusp um, to, to help them through that process. So that isn't just, hey, are you minimally qualified? Are you interested in this? Good luck, see you later. It's, all right, this is what you think you're interested in. Now let me tell you more about it. Let me bring in a war hero. Let me t give you a phone number of one of my brothers who just came back from a deployment that can tell you exactly what it looks like in combat on their fourth or fifth deployment. Um, opens up panels like this where you know people can talk about what they're getting into and help help solidify that uh, that passion um, we we just we call it you know uh, arming the why um, helping them understand the reason that they're doing what they do uh, and helping them forge that over time because they're going to face you know one to, to two years of grueling training where if it was just a minimally interested um, that's not going to survive the fire. Uh, and so finding that, helping them find that why and strengthen it so that when they are in that worst day, you know, months into this process, they can look back to it and say, no, this is worth it. You know, I've committed to this. My family's behind it. I understand what I'm getting into. My, my coach, you know, is, is behind me. He's, he's helped me. He knew, he told me this day was coming and, and I, let's grin, you know, bear it and, and fight through it. I think it's, it's, it's important to note also, um, it's a competitive model from the, get, from the day one. 
and uh, and I would say that we, to some extent, pride ourselves on that to some extent because that instills, um, it, it instills the best of others, um, and so if you want to ship, there's certain criteria you have to meet, and it and it really gets to the point of um, a very inward drive that you have to, no matter how much support mechanism you have behind you, it really ultimately falls onto that individual. And so recruiting this kind of um, you know, person that one um, says he's interested in joining the DOD and then says he wants to be in the Air Force and he wants to join the Air Force and be a ground combatant, you're looking for a very unique person. And so then you fought, you, we find that raw material and then we kind of shape it a little bit because they've already got that raw material in them. It, it's deeply nested in them. And then we help them, you know, expose it when, when those trying times come. And I think that the program is set up really well um, for young folks that are out there uh, that are interested in special warfare. And yes, I mean, specifically if someone says, hey, this sounds awesome, I want to do that. Um, you know, there's several different avenues, and I'm sure on the where, where this gets posted, we can include the links as well. But um, airforce.com, uh, and then you know, special warfare will will we'll get you down that pay, uh, path. You can you know say, hey, I'm interested in it. Um, also, you can go to, to to your local recruiting office, uh, walk in the Air Force, and say, hey, I'm interested in special warfare. Um, and then that larger recruiting force can can help you get you initially processed and and and, and point you in the right direction. Uh, to one of our, you know, 100 or so career recruiters that are uh, spread out across the United States. And I, I want to talk about basic military training next because regardless of, of your career field in the Air Force, everybody has to do that. If you're enlisted, you've got to go to basic military training. But before you get there, from a special warfare operator enlistment program perspective, um, there may be some who go, what about, is there a standard? Is there some kind of like, do I have to be able to run a mile in two minutes to do this? Like what, what, a, what does that standard look like and or how can I get more information about that? What does that look like? Yeah, um, so <clears throat> that is one of the things part of SWOE that we have done and we kind of alluded to it a little bit, but we wanted to baseline all the entry standards and that's everything from medical to security clearances to uh, the physical um, te uh, tests that they have to take that, um, and, and those developers that we've talked about will, um, will administer that to them prior to shipping. And so the, the attempt is to have this standard template so that any of the AFSCs are available to them so that there's no you know, differences you know, should they be vectored to one or the other. Um, so if, if you're asking like specifics on uh, numbers on calisthenics and run and swim, is that what we're really asking? No, I was just trying to give a sense of what a candidate may need to work on or be prepared for when they come into the, to the, that development phase of being recruited. Obviously, sure. there's going to be a, a need to be physically fit, for example. With this developer and they're refining some of those skills. And then when he goes to BMT, they'll be evaluated on that again, and then they'll be evaluated again once they're into that prep course that we had talked about. So really a constant evaluation process, kind of that competition part of that you talked about. You gotta earn it. Yes, sir. And that's, that's one of the, I think, the uh, exciting aspects of the, of the SWOE process uh, is that the, the 
every phase of this process, there are um, observations, uh, there's, there's tests, there's things that, that you work through, but um, in some of the past models, there were some hard lines when it came to uh, things like physical fitness. So um, it's, it's beyond the, BM, the, the basic military training portion, but in the past it used to be, you know, you, there was a hard line you had to do, you know, you know X amount of push-ups, and if you were one short, you're done. You're, you're, you could have been the most amazing, you know, incredible human being on the world. Your team love you, your cadre love you, everybody. But if you were one short, you hard fail, you immediately went back. So while we have to meet standards, absolutely no question about it, um, they cannot be just that one standard. Like it's, it's the whole person concept that is, is being looked at from day, from day one where that's your, your developer and your recruiter are working with you to help you figure that out. And, and, and we're using physical fitness, we're using those challenges to help kind of uh, bring out the character attributes that we're looking for, uh, because that's the, the greatest determinant. Not just could you do you know, 50 push-ups when you shipped, but were you physically fit, you, you met the standard, and you're a great teammate, and you're a leader, and, and you're passionate, you know, and those things are beyond just that one standard kind of qualification um, and more into that whole thing. So that's the, the exciting part about this, this new process is that all of that is taken into account and, and is being uh, worked and recorded and added to your overall just kind of profile. So every uh, part of this phase matters. Your, your performance in military training, you know, how well you, you do all the things that are asked of you as, as that basic young airman. Um, they're looking at all that because attention to detail matters at every step in this process. And you're left loading that thought process of being a good teammate and, and, and doing the things that you need to do to be competitive earlier in their, in their process, even before they put on the uniform. So it's kind of interesting uh, aspect of it as well. But transitioning to the BMT process, you mentioned it before, uh, Colonel Lopez, but they go to BMT and they're in a, in a group together building that team unity, cohesion. What is BMT uh, for our Special Warfare Operator Enlistment Program candidates look like now? Or what will it look like? So it's the, uh, it's the same as, uh, so they go through all the same basic training uh, as any other basic. Um, the, the difference is they're in a flight with all of their other uh, cohorts that are also going to the, to the Special Warfare training. Um, then they also have cadre, uh, you know, mili the military professionals, the instructors that will come over from the special warfare training side. will link in with the, the basic, you know, cadets as they're going through um, and will uh, we'll provide them some of that professional development, just kind of continued. They'll also get some additional physical fitness exercises throughout. Um, it's actually pretty crazy, but basic training is, has a packed schedule. Um, so there's lots of work to, to, you know, cut them free so that they can go and get additional physical fitness so that they don't, you know, ramp up, get, get really strong before they ship, then go to basic training um, where they're, you know, very regimented, lots of stress, but not always the, where the physical, you know, to the level that they need to be doing the, the repetitions that are keeping them strong before then, then they enter back into the, to the special warfare uh, uh, courses. Because that was a thing. You know, before we had this developer entity in, in place that uh, said individual could go to BMT, and then, you know, to some extent they would kind of atrophy a little bit in their physical readiness to enter that pipeline. So this just kind of assures that chain that I talked about from the developer prior to shipping to BMT and then now exiting BMT to 
to really kind of keep that line level as they're entering that, uh, that, that, that prep program. And so they graduate BMT and they show up at the Special Warfare Training Wing, which just stood up a year and a half, a little bit longer than that ago. Um, so that really starts that Special Warfare focused training all the time. So can you kind of talk through what the process looks from day ones rolling into Special Warfare Training Wing and, and what the pipeline looks like as it vectors out? Yes, sir. So, um, so once they uh, make that transition and they now uh, are going into the Special Warfare prep, Preparatory Course, um, and that in essence is where they, they take, they build off of that raw material and start to bring them to an occasion that, because um, as this entire process continues on through its evolution, um, uh, the situation increases, if you will. Um, in the way of standards, length of time of runs and swims and calisthenics, the mental um, fatigue. So they're, they're starting to now, in a holistic kind of approach to that individual, ready them for the, the rigors of the pipeline. Because we're, once again, this is just starting the pipeline. And these pipelines can last up to two, two years in, in length. Um, so in the prep course, uh, they're, they're, they're working on their conditioning, um, they're going through different um, evaluations. Um, we have um, a, a psychology, uh, you know, aspect to it. Um, there's multiple attributes that we're looking for in those individuals, and all that is kind of just a work in progress as they're going through that prep course, which is readying them for that first vector that I had talked about. And that first vector will let them go to a TAC P track or let them go to the other track, which comprises of combat controllers known as CCT, pararescuemen known as PJs, or special reconnaissance known as SR. I think the awesome, awesome part about this uh, this process, and it was, it was actually one of the early uh, early changes, was the this you know preparatory course that they again kind of came from that that mindset of we want to give the the trainees every opportunity to succeed um, so that everyone can be on an equal you know playing field regardless of what background they came in whether they had access to pools um, where we can give them those those skills we can help train those early on um, so that that's not an immediate eliminator um, you know hey you, you born in a city without pools you, you'll never be a pararescue man that's not that's not the case anymore that it's it's you know, we will help you through the development process and then during the preparatory process it'll help teach people how to swim, help work them through that, get them more comfortable in those um, really stressful aquatic uh, scenarios. But the, the prep course itself is, I mean, it's there's, there are um, Olympic level coaches, uh, there are professional athletes, retired professional athletes, uh, there are many, you know, NFL, NHL, um, MLB have all come out to see some of these facilities, um, even uh, to, to, to recognize that we have, you know, done everything in our power to give them every opportunity to make them as, you know, strong, fast, smart, resilient as possible. And it's pretty, pretty impressive facilities to, to get them started off on that right, right step so that they, you know, can then endure the, the you know, two years of, of challenges ahead. Yeah, so I'll just jump on that real quick. So dedicated staff, state-of-the-art facilities, all to help them achieve their goals, 
But once again, it's on that individual to meet the mark of those goals that, that are set before them. And we talk a lot about the evaluation, and I think maybe there could be perhaps a misperception that, that it's all physical, but, but it's not. You're looking for other things from a special warfare airman um, when it comes to, like you talked about, teamwork. Um, even so much I saw in, in part of the paper was BMT academics even. So talk about us what makes a successful special warfare airman, their, their makeup. Yeah, I, I think Ethan and I will probably both double tap on this one. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like um, if I give you the example of like the pass test, right, the physical um, and stamina test, right, um, anybody, well, I shouldn't say anybody, but um, if, if you have a great night's sleep and you have a really good uh, dinner the night before and you wake up and you go and knock out that pass test, you know, man, you can knock it out of the park. But now the grueling days that go on through this pipeline and the things that you may, you know, come in contact with, whether it's a, um, you know, shin splints or stress fractures or you get injured somehow or you get sick and you still have to continue to persevere through the next day's evolution and then the next day's evolution. Sometimes you could almost be overwhelmed by, oh my gosh, that's a daunting task. I have months ahead of me. Um, if you look really far out, you're like, oh my God, I got two years ahead of me. So um, it's, it's that innate, deep uh, ability to be able to focus on the problem set that you're going, undergoing right at that moment in time, compartmentalize what you just executed and move on to the next target, and then be able to chunk it out in such a way. And oh, by the way, it's not just about you, because you still need to be looking out for your teammates that you're going through this arduous moment in time and so I've seen it many a times where folks have a lapse in judgment I would say perhaps and they say oh I can't I can't do this it's not for me and there you're you're there to try to help your teammate and actually push yourself through that moment in time so those things don't really have a lot to do with the physical prowess as it is the mental capacity to see through the challenging moment in time and that was one of the challenges of the past model, you know, before really recruiting and, and the special warfare community have come together like, like what we're doing now was, you know, the, the recruiting side went off the best information that they had, which is like, all right, you need really tough people, right? Really, really physically fit people. Okay, let's, let's, let's find the, the, the fastest, strongest, toughest out there. And so then they, those people, they would say, okay, we're, I found the, the, the best physical specimen out there. You know, good luck. And then that guy would quit day day two. And I'm like, what are you doing? What you're squandering these resources? I found the toughest guy in the world, and you just threw him out. You know, what's what's your problem? And and recognizing that some some of those you know folks that that have such high uh, capacity capability that when they meet that first failure, that that was a devastating moment for them, where this is the first time they have just been knocked down and don't know how to get up again because it's been such a, a, a hit to the ego. And so actually, the, we even, I mean, we even have charts that show it. The, it's not just the, the, the most physically capable folks. Some of those, even like the high outliers, really, really strong, don't make it. And that's not because they're not physically capable. It's because they didn't know how to get back up. Um, they hadn't been knocked down in the right way that can, can keep them up. So we're, we're looking for uh, kind of the underdog, some of the folks that you know have had the, that life of hard knocks, and and just keep fight, keep getting up and looking through it. And we, we even had uh, you know we had collected data 
on a thousand a thousand candidates going through had you know thousands of points of information from their resting heart rates to their EKGs to all kinds of crazy stuff. We put it in a, a big computer, uh, artificial intelligence computer, and, it, and one of the factors it spit out was basically their ability to recover. Um, at even down to the to the molecular level, you know how their cells are able to regenerate and fight through that. And the crazy part is that's something that changes over time. Like you can you change your you teach your body how to get back up, um, but it, then it, it comes back to the back to the brain, back to the heart. You know that says no, I'm not quitting. I everything's broken, everything hurts. I'm exhausted. I have no but. I am too dumb to quit right now. I'm just, I'm going to take that next step and maybe I'll quit tomorrow, but I'm not going to let that guy beat me. So that, that, I mean, that, you know, it's like great. There's been a joke before, you know, like I quit every day inside my head, but I'm not doing it out loud and I'm going to keep pushing through. Um, so, uh, I, I think that that's really where you start to see the, the team cohesion and the dynamics and the close, brotherhood if you will because in the end you can look to your left and right and know that everyone every single person has gone through the same difficult times as they've been able to persevere and then you you then just it just breeds this relationship and this trust that so when you're out in the battlefield right um, or you're on in the middle of the ocean or on some precarious cliff you know in the mountains then you you feel comfortable um, with the with the with the folks to your left and right. So at, at the end of the day, you have this whole process. What at the end helps that final vector into a specific AFSC, starting from this original big pool of talent? Okay, and now you're going to be a pararescue man, or you're going to be a combat controller. What 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 goes into that final vector of this is your career field? I think it, it's the it's a total aggregate of of all the all those observations, all those um, evaluations, uh, and then you know it it it, it comes it's going to come together with all of them. Um, so it's you know we've we've used every tool uh, available to understand who you are and how you perform. Um, we've given the the trainee every opportunity to know exactly what career field he's getting into, the the what the people are like, what type of Kind of warrior ethos breeds out of you know one kind of tribe versus the other, uh, and and then the you know the Air Force has been able to see exactly what that person is, um, and then and then they work it out in in the in the wash you know so um, where essentially you know we envision that it's it's going to be at the once you come to that end of that and then you know you you are selected um, where you have that opportunity that says okay you know here's here's all the job lists. And then the most competitive, the most uh, uh, that top graduate um, gets that option to look at it and 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 then work it all out. So um, I think one of the one of the misnomers you know that, that you have is is folks will look. Well, I had you know why did you do away with guaranteed guaranteed contract? Like I used to like I, I want to be a PJ and only a PJ f like that's it. Well, there was never a guarantee. There uh, there was a guarantee that you could try. Um, and that guarantee is still there. This is this is how you try. Like you get that contract that gets you through the first door, and then you fight 
just how you fought to get through the verso, you'll fight for every door after that as, as we help, you know, figure that out that process. So it was, it was never guaranteed. It was always, um, you always had to earn it. You always had to work through it. We just now have a lot more data that goes into it a lot further than just that initial, hey, I walk into the recruiting office and I want to sign on the dotted line. Was, and I think it's important to note, too, they, they still, their preference is part of that overall evaluation, Absolutely. Right? Absolutely is. Um, they, and kind of to uh, what Keith's point was just, just a second ago is they always have a say in it. It's how, the, how it flushes out in their performance against their peers because uh, th that's really where the prioritization will come. Um, so it's based off of that performance. It's based off of that preference. And then obviously there is um, a higher calling to the Air Force to distribute those AFSCs out equitably um, as per you know the, the requirements of of our service so as we get ready to to wrap this thing up what does this timeline look in terms of rollout for the SWO program uh, in terms of kind of that first real push to start pushing out these classes to go to BMT together and, and make this program really start rolling well it I so for the recruiting squadron and I'll let Heath actually expand upon it but this is already something in the making. This is already being pushed to new recruits as a thing. And the first shipment of uh, recruits will be um, next month, actually April, um, I apologize, uh, will be in April. And so that'll be the first time that we're sending 100% SWOE uh, into BMT um, under this new model of, uh, of coming under one uh, open AFSC, if you will, and then being vectored a little later in the process. And that's, you know, so we did multiple uh, test runs over the past uh, past year um, just to verify to work. I mean, because these are pretty pretty big changes across the board. So making sure all the paperwork lined up right and all the different folks at, at every step of this process um, had, a, had a vote, had a say, had, you know, input that they could put into this. Uh, and then also we, we've tested it and run it on on our applicants as well say so, you know communicating with them okay if you uh, if you couldn't get your first choice you know how, how do you feel about that um, what would you you know what are your interests in each of these career fields and things like that and so this has been a, a, a metered process that we've done you know for, for a good while now but pretty much since since our squadron started about two years well the effort started about two years ago um, we've been working towards these ends just with baselining all the standard requirements and everything else. So this is this is the next really big step in it, but it's we've been we've been moving out on this for a while. So exciting times in the special warfare training recruiting pipeline. It's going to be great to see it roll out, and I certainly appreciate you guys taking time out and joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. So just a ton to unpack here with the big changes coming soon to the Special Warfare Operator Enlistment Process, which has had a few trial runs already as they get geared up for this big shipment coming out to BMT in April. Special thanks to Colonel Kearns and Colonel Lopez for taking time out of their schedules to talk to us today about the program. And as a reminder, if you're interested in a career in the Air Force Special Warfare community and you want to talk with a recruiter, check out your local recruiter's office. They can get you pointed in the right direction to a special warfare recruiter or go online to www.airforce.com slash find a recruiter. 
As a reminder, you can also follow Air Education and Training Command as well as the AETC Command Team on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can check out the latest news on our website at www.aetc.af.mil. For our entire AETC Public Affairs Team, I'm Dan Hawkins. So long, we'll talk to you next time on The Air Force Starts Here.